0: You're listening to the Behavior Change Marketing Bootcamp Podcast, for people passionate about making a positive change. We believe understanding your audience is the key to maximum impact, and behavioral science takes this to a whole new level. Join your host, Ruth Dale, and expert guests to explore biases, beliefs, why we do what we do, and why we don't do what we said we would do. We're so happy to have
1: you back. And today we are going to kick right in with Jude Hackett, our amazing guest. Jude is going to talk about empathy mapping. Building empathy with our audiences, users, colleagues, friends, loved ones can never be bad. So find out how to use a free tool. Yes, I repeat, a free tool that will help you apply behavioral science directly into your marketing and comms for free. Say no more. Let's dive in. Hello. We're so delighted to welcome to the podcast today, Jude Hackett. Jude is a behavior change and social marketing specialist. She specializes in marketing for good. And she's here today to talk to us about a fantastic tool that is accessible to all of us. That tool is called the Empathy Map. So handing straight over to you, Jude, please do
2: say hello and introduce yourself. Hello. Thank you so much for having me on, Ruth. Yeah, so you've asked me to talk about the empathy map today, which is such a a fantastic, easy to use, really, really simple tool. And I think quite a lot of people who listen to this podcast are from a public sector background, maybe a local authority, potentially NHS or a third sector background. And sometimes you might have those timelines and those budgets, which is an absolute luxury in those environments. But sometimes you just need a a quick, simple and easy tool. And I think that's what the Empathy Map provides. So if you Google Empathy Map, broadly speaking, it's attributed to an American called Dave Gray. There are lots of different versions of Empathy Maps, but I think that Dave Gray is considered to be the originator or an originator of the the empathy map. And he's not an academic. And I think that's actually really refreshing because he is a visual thinker and he looks at the problem from a a visual point of view so that in a meeting or a workshop environment, maybe people can very, very easily capture, in this case, data about the end user or an understanding about the end user. And that could be patient or a stakeholder or a customer, but it would allow, you know, we all know in the public sector, I've worked in the local authority environment. I've worked in an NHS environment. There are loads and loads of meetings. There's absolute passion for the end user and also there's incredible expertise. So, what this simple tool allows you to do is kind of pull that together in, in a format that already exists, which is a, you know, a meeting format.
1: Well, brilliantly described, Jude. Thank you. So the empathy map is made by a gentleman over in America called Dave Gray. He's a visual thinker and he has designed a tool that is accessible to everyone. It's free on the internet and this tool is an amazing way to capture the end user, your patients, your service users, everyone, but in an environment where you might be working with stakeholders and colleagues. So, Jude, this is a podcast, so We will, of course, put links in and we will link to Dave Gray's and his game storming account so people can access it. But please, could you do your best to describe the empathy map? Because I think for me, one of the best things about this tool is because it is so easy to understand so immediately. His skill in design is so apparent. Uh, It's very clever. So, Jude, please, could you just take us through what the empathy map looks like and just how we sort of progress through it? So,
2: the empathy map is just one sheet. So, if you printed it out, it would be one sheet of paper. So, that would probably be a sheet of A4, maybe maybe A3 if you were working together. And it's split into um, seven different sections. So, in the middle of the empathy map is the human. So, this helps you focus on that person. And around that human face, there are different sections where you capture different elements of the way this human or this end user thinks the what they need to do what they see and hear etc so there are sections one or two which are actually in a different color on the empathy map so they're grayed out and sections one and two are about the goal so who are we talking to and why do we need to talk or why are we talking about those people Sections three, four, five, and 6, which sit around the bottom of the face, they're about walking a mile in the shoes of the end user, capturing some evidence about what they see and say and do and hear. And then inside the head of the end user, there's section 7, which involves a little bit of imagination around how the end user thinks and feels. And I say, Imagination, actually, if you've got those stakeholders around a table, and especially in an environment like local authority or like NHS, where you have those experts on the front line who really have a strong grasp of how end users think and feel, you know, it, it's real experience. And even though it's not a research based tool, in that you need research to put into it, I think that it operates as a form of research itself, really, if you've got the right people in the room.
1: Yeah. Oh, thank you, Jude. So, Jude has talked us around a, a head, basically a head in the middle of the page. And it's so clever, starting with the goal. And then what do they see, say, do, hear, and think and feel. So, f- here is so clever, isn't it, Jude? The here is next to the ear. The here is next to the ear. <laughs> but it's really clever on the page. And immediately you can see what you're trying to achieve. And they always say good design is the most simple design. And then I love the fact that the think and feel, as you've just described to us, is in the head of someone. Yeah. So a bit like you just said, you know, you're walking, you want to walk in their shoes. You want to get in their head. You want to see life and see these challenges through the eyes of your audience. And so just so clever that the actual questions are in the head, which is where so many of us live for long periods of time before we actually embark on change. I know I do live in my head far too much, you know, weighing up pros, cons and things. So Jude, you described using this with stakeholders. How would you recommend people use it with kind of, they've got sort of partners working on a project or senior management. Is there any tips you would give that they could um, actually, how people could take this forward? I
2: think it's a pretty easy tool as it is. And you can see from a behaviour change point of view, some of the behavioural science that sits behind this. So, I think that you could probably just go through the various questions as they are. So, you're right to say that what does your end user hear sits by the ear? You know, what do they see sits by the eye? What do they say comes out of the mouth of this face on the page? And you could literally go through it line by line. So, if we start at number one under the goal, who is the person we want to understand? What is the situation they're in? And what is their role in their own situation? So, what I can see in here and and you can see in here is perhaps some behavioral science that's implicit but not necessarily explicit so at no point can you see the words or the phrase combi for example and you can't see the phrase exchange theory and you can't see you know cognitive behavioral approach but it is all in there so if you have somebody in your organization who's responsible for behavior change if they were to lead this session They might be able to focus on some of those things. So, for example, motivations definitely are there. And say, capability, for example, or opportunity, that's not explicit in here, but it it definitely is implicit. So, if you look under section seven, as you say, which sits inside the head of this person, what does this person think and feel? You've got their pains there. So, what are their fears, frustrations, and, and anxieties? So, for example, Your end user is somebody who would benefit from taking more exercise. And one of the ways to do that is through active travel. So, you might encourage the end user to walk to the train station or the bus stop every morning and travel by public transport. And on the other end, they might walk to their workplace. Now, that's a great idea unless you are, for example, not capable of doing that because you are a wheelchair user and the traffic stops you from getting to the train station. And when you get to the train station, there's a set of stairs to take you to a platform. And actually, it's not as easy. There are other barriers in the way. You have to book a ramp to get on the train. So, I think that helps pull out, you know, sort of capability barriers. And, You know, another example might be, so the end user is somebody who would benefit from taking more exercise. And that might be a single mum who is busy all day with five children and has a a child at home during the day. And in the evening, she baths them and feeds them and reads them a story and puts them to bed. And she can see out of her, her window, all the other mums going to yoga and she can't go. She can't do that exercise with them. So her fears and frustrations and anxiety, that is to say, essentially the capability, she can't go out and do yoga with all those other mums. But what she could do is walk the school run. And what she could do is maybe do, you know, some exercise at home, you know, helps you understand what interventions you might need to put in place to fit around people's, as you say, just using COMBI as an example, people's capabilities and people's opportunities, as those examples would suggest.
1: Yeah. And and so I like what you said about Combi's not in there, but you could definitely take the learnings. And if you have done this in a workshop environment and you've got lots of post-it notes and coloured pens and ideas everywhere, you could definitely transfer all of this and that into a combi analysis, you know, combi table in minutes. It's not a big leap at all because it's it is chunked down. The empathy map does chunk down all the different elements. And as yeah. you said, Jude, it's so important, isn't it? Because it just changes the messaging completely. And I don't know why. Why do we? What, in your experience? Of why is it so important that we do see through the eyes of our audience to inform our messaging and interventions?
2: I would have thought that was was absolutely essential. And in terms of behavior change, what this does so well is is in the goal, is what they need to do. And it's fascinating for me over the years in behavior change, how you lose sight that you want somebody to do something at the end and what the behavioral goals are. So this would ask the questions, what do they need to do differently? What do they need to do to get that done? What decisions do they need to make? And that is fueled by what people think and feel. So this helps you to understand what people think and feel and what it is that they need to do. So if they need to think and feel differently, what messages do they need to think and feel differently? And I think that you know an example would be, and actually there's, there's a, a slight gap between thinking and feeling and doing, So, this reminded me of a sexual health case study. So, people think and feel when they're in a cold emotional state that they would like to avoid an unwanted pregnancy, would like to certainly avoid a termination, would like to avoid having an unplanned child when they haven't got the finances, et cetera, et cetera, and certainly avoid a sexually transmitted infection. So, people think and feel in those ways. And in the heat of sexual desire, they do something really differently. Which is perhaps have unprotected sex. And that's a, a case study that's in um, Dan Ariely's book, Predictably Irrational, where he looks at these kind of hot and cold thoughts and feelings. And, you know, what this helps you to do is have a look at, you know, maybe there's a disconnect between thinking and feeling. And actually, in that case, that's the difference between, you know, cold and hot. Thoughts and feelings, and I think this really helps tease that out. So Dan Ariely's example, for you know, would be what you can target somebody's thoughts and feelings while they're in a cold state. So actually, their thoughts and feelings when they're in a hot state could be completely different. So that's really, really simple in terms of when you're in a cold state and you don't want an unwanted pregnancy or sexually transmitted infection. That's when you pop a condom in your pocket. That's when you know condoms become a social norm they become a social norm for women to carry they become a social norm for young people to carry they become a social norm to take on your holidays or on a club night out in case you are you are in that hot situation so that you know you have that ready when you're in the heat of desire and you might do something that you know doesn't sit very well with how you think and feel so that's an example of how something like this can really help you pick that apart and what is it that they need to, what messages do they need and when? I mean, this would help support that. And when. Yeah,
1: absolutely, Jude. So loads of penny drop moments there, Jude. Thank you so much. So because to the question like, why is it important? Jude's really, really brilliantly highlighted. It It is so important because of the gap between intention and action. So what we think we will do and what we're going to do, what we say we're going to do isn't the same. And a brilliant example there about hot and cold states, which really brings those gaps to life. But by using the Empathy Map Canvas, this free Canvas tool, actually, you're helping to bridge those gaps and understand why that cognitive dissonance is there and understand actually where your messaging needs to shape. And if we think about East, where we've got timeliness at the end and I know as, um, you know, obviously with socials, often timeliness, we think about when during the day, or we might think seasonal, but Jude, you just brilliantly shared actually timeliness also is could be a lot further upstream by understanding the hot and cold states. You're sort of looking at when is the good time to get this message in. So sexual health is such a brilliant one to bring it to life because your messaging has gone from, you know, focusing in on the moment, the moment of passion to actually social norms a lot, lot earlier. And that changes your messages, your tactics, everything, your placement. So simply understanding, you know, getting understanding it through the eyes of the audience is, is the route to bridging that intention action gap and actually reaching the desired behavior. We always say in our training that the answers are in the insight. And if you haven't got big market research budgets, there is this tool to help you, to help get you started and to elevate the level of work to a much higher standard. And actually, Jude, what you did say then as well, really struck home to me about behavior change goals. And actually, I'd say that is probably the biggest challenge. And so if you or when, when you use this tool back at the ranch, if you don't know your behavior change goal, keep it blank. Don't water it down with a policy goal or waffly strategy goal. If you don't have a really clear behavior change goal, or proposition, value proposition in marketing speak. But if you don't have a really clear call to action and behavior goal that you want people or you need people to do, then say that because that is where you have to start. And so often, I'd say the biggest mistake that we see coming through training is that we can develop a whole campaign without the goal. And it's then it just stays focused on the problem all the time and not the messaging is about the problem and not about the solution because the thought hasn't actually gone into the solution yet. So do not worry if you don't know, but use this as, you know, to bring as much to the surface as you can. It will help shape it. So if you can't complete number two in empathy mapping, still do the rest because, but then go back to it. And do say, that's when you have to work with your service leads and you've got to say to people, how, how can we get, we are not clear on two, we need to be clear on our behavior change goal, which is actually the toughest part sometimes. So Jude, can you please share with us, we always do like to finish our podcast with a book recommendation.
2: So could you please share one with us? I would like to recommend The Power of Ignorance. I don't know if anyone's recommended that before. No. No. What's that then? Um, So I've been trying really, really hard in the last year to keep up to date with my reading. So it's reasonably recent. It was published, I think, just over a year ago. And uh, Dave Trott, for those who don't know, is an ad man, a creative director and a copywriter. And it's all around really creative thinking. So loads of really fun case studies, I don't think you would need to be from behavior change or from marketing or from advertising to enjoy reading it. I'd also recommend Dave Trot has a beautiful Essex accent, nice, creamy. Incredible accent. And I listened oh. to this book on Audible, and I think sometimes I have some frustrations with Audible because you need a reference book. So then you have to buy the book as well to be able to look things up. But actually, this is yeah. not one of those. It's storytelling, great case okay. studies. So there's a case study for, you know, Gwyneth Paltrow's Goop, for example, is a case study. And I think it's really valuable to people in the behavior change sector, because it takes you back to standing out, cutting through the noise, being different, being creative. And one of the reasons I think that's important is because in 2020, I was watching the NHS ad for the new government obesity campaign, if you remember when um, Boris Johnson went on a diet and I think the rest of the country needed to go on a diet as well. And there was this big new, like, you know, obesity and I sat on my sofa watching it and it ticked all the boxes, you know, the people were in the advert were, you know, overweight and they were cooking healthy foods and they were being active, but they weren't doing sport, and there was a call to action. All the things that should have been in this ad were in this ad I thought, yeah, yeah, it's all right. And straight off the back of that ad, was Just Eat's campaign with Snoop Dogg. They had Snoop Dogg, they had a rainbow, they had a jingle. And I looked at the two and thought, the NHS don't stand a chance against Just Eat. So it's a reminder to use difference. There is science behind difference where, you know, it's a cognitive um, bias. We like things that are different and fresh and innovative they stand out from the crowd. So I think Dave Trott's book helps to just remind okay. us of that. Okay. So Dave Trott's book will inject some creativity into
1: our lives. Oh, I know what you mean. Just Eat is so hard. Our poor brains, we are bombarded, aren't we? And it, you know, it's for, oh gosh, it's hard to keep it all back and to stay focused on your own decisions and oh we have got the tough job marketing for social goods trying to help <laughs> prevent all the uh, obesity and all of the, helping people make healthier decisions it's not the easy easiest marketing job and can you imagine if we had the just eat budgets oh my lord imagine if they
2: had done the nhs <laughs> everybody would be yeah. making healthy sandwiches <laughs>
1: Oh, my gosh. Yeah.
2: yeah. See, There we go. We always talk
1: about getting influences in. Anyone know Snoop Dogg? I don't
2: think what Snoop Dogg's budget's like. But I mean, you know, certainly you know, there are ways of doing it. And one of is uh, I said, you know, it, you couldn't probably use in the public sector, but Dave Trott uses that Gwyneth Paltrow she doesn't make money from those controversially named candles. <laughs> Not something that oh. makes money for her. She brings people to her by being controversial and noticeable. And then she sells really, really yeah. expensive clothes and jewellery. Oh, gosh. Okay. Oh,
1: oh, this book is intriguing. And it's so lovely. I think when we're in public sector, we need to look outside yeah. and get that fresh of air and you know, it's, life is hard. People are exhausted. Everyone's been working through emergency situations for years. It's almost like the emergency resilience side of everyone is weaker now just because it's been overused. So yeah, anything that helps fuel creativities. Oh, brilliant. I'm going to have a look, Jude. I'm actually, I'm going to commit to have a look and let you know what I think of it.
2: Yeah. And you I know, think- if you, you know, if you listen to an audio book while you're doing your laundry or while you're doing your tasks, you've kind of got two for the price of one, haven't you? You don't have to, it doesn't have, sometimes you're exhausted, you've been working hard a week, you just want to relax and you've got the ironing to do. You can listen to something. they yeah, Props so entertaining to listen to and it doesn't feel academic and it doesn't feel hard or like you're learning. So well, that's one of the reasons I recommend yeah. it.
1: Oh, thank you so much, Jude. It's been so lovely talking with you, and thank you for sharing your expertise. And um, we hope to have you on the podcast again. Oh, I'd
2: love to. Thank you so much for inviting me. Take care.
1: Thank you, Jude. Thank you for sharing the empathy map. Please, everyone, do go and visit the gamestorming website. It's incredible. There's so many resources on there. Basically, Dave Gray is a genius that shared with the world the secret tips and systems and design thinking tools used by the creative industry. So they're all on there, and the empathy map is just one of them. And to be honest, we love it. We've started using it in the bootcamp training, and it's going down really, really well. So thank you, Dave. Now, if you are interested in learning more about behavioral science and how you can use it in your marketing and comms, we are running um, popular Behaviour Change Marketing bootcamp Live sessions. So for those that don't know, these are one-day deep dives into how to apply behavioural science in marketing and comms. So this isn't just about how to commission a marketing agency to deliver a behaviour change campaign for you. Oh, no, 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 no. This is actually going upstream a little bit. This is about how you can use behavioural science in your everyday planning, in your internal comms, and in how you can use it throughout to actually plan a response internally to a behaviour change challenge. So, and yes, of course, that could involve commissioning agencies down the road, but the session will focus on how you skill up as a comms and marketing person in behavioural science. Now, the Wednesday, the 6th of July is dedicated to how we can ease the winter pressures. And for those of you wondering why on earth we're all talking about winter in the spring, we have Friday, the 8th of July, which is a generalist session where you bring your priority. So we've had loads of different people at those. We've had people from local authorities, fire, police. We've had topics from recycling to knife crime to going back to work to internal comms. So you bring your priority challenge and we will deep dive into how behavioural science can help you achieve that. Okay, I think that's enough. Oh, no, I'm getting waved at because I haven't said Ruth. Please remind everyone to share. Yes. So if there's a blooper <laughs> episodes, this is going to make it on there. But I must ask everyone, please do review the podcast. We're really, really pushing now. We really do want to see it grow. So please do share and review the podcast. And as always, we will be, well, not us, but we will randomly choose someone who has reviewed and shared and be sending the book recommended by our guest today. So if you would like the book of the Power of Ignorance, How Creative Solutions Emerge When We Admit What We Don't Know by Dave Trott. If you would like that book, because it does sound amazing, please do leave us a review, a great review. It <laughs> doesn't have to be, but that would be nice. And do tweet and share it with us, and we will be picking one at random. Thanks,
0: everyone. Take care. Thanks for listening. Did you enjoy this episode? If so... Show us some love and leave a review on iTunes. We'll leave you with Ruth's favorite quote from Alice in Wonderland. I knew who I was this morning, but I've changed a few times since then. Got a favorite quote about the magic of change? Tell us over at the Behavior Change Marketing Bootcamp Group on LinkedIn. Join us for a Mad Hatter's Tea Party, virtually.